Screenings episode 88. I'm your host, and with me is my regular host, Jackson. Hello. And Destiny. Hello. We're here to talk about some fucking movies. I'm going to be honest with you. Haven't watched a single goddamn thing since the last time we recorded. So, yeah, me neither. nothing for me. Okay. <laughs> I watched a movie. That's it. You're our savior. Talk about the movies. <laughs> it wasn't very good. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I seen. watched uh, Bo is Afraid, the Ari Aster film that just came out. Uh, did not care for it. I can't what believe you hate all culture and you have no fucking whatever. I've read reading letterbox reviews enough of them. That's what this bit is going. On. I'm canceling this bit. I don't actually, I don't actually know what this movie's about. I'll be honest with you. Well, there's it's a guy. About this man. He's afraid. His name is. He's afraid. It's very scary in the world, and he's got a very very overbearing mother that is very 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 rich, played by Patty Lupone, uh, and he, uh needs to get to her or no sorry okay so he finds out she dies and he needs to get to her uh house you know for the funeral and stuff and so it's just this sort of (sighs) odyssey inspired trek movie um where he's just trying to get to her house and all these strange things happen to him and it's just a long, 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 long wandering sort of treatise on just anxiety and I guess motherhood. I thought it was bad. <laughs> I just, I don't really, I, I thought it was too long. I thought it was too unfocused. There's this great bit in the middle where uh, Amy Ryan and Nathan Lane are a couple who hit him with their car on accident and he's stuck in their house for a period of the film, like a significant period of the film. And that part was all great. There's some weird stuff happening there, but that's the only positive thing I could say. Uh, I just thought like when you think of movies about anxiety, about mortality and anxiety about safety and being in urbanity, is that the word? Um, Schenectady, Schenectady, New York is a better movie uh, for portraying that sort of weird. thing. So weird I feel like that Schenectady, New York is a better movie than anything Ari Aster could ever shit out if he had is, a thousand years. Uh, just, this is just literally just my impression of it from the outside. I haven't seen it. I've seen like a bit of the trailers, a few clips people post. Uh, but it looks like what if uh, that one bit of uh, Louis where like the garbage men come inside his house and scream at him was a three-hour movie? <laughs> Uh, I don't remember that Louis very well. Um, but I mean, no one brings up Louis now it, for a reason, but like it, all of the posts are like, oh, look at this, like, I've taken the re- relatable anxiety of having to try to like walk around in public to this absurd level of cinema. So it seemed like it was doing similar things to that. Oh, yeah, no, it, it tries. <laughs> I just don't think it pulls it off very well. I think it's too, it's got, it's too crammed. It's got too many things. And then it wastes Parker Posey, which is a crime in these parts. Um, um I googled yeah. Bo's Afraid, and uh, the Google questions uh, I would like to ask you, Destiny. What is Bo scared about? He's scared of, well, one, he lives in a very dangerous, violent city. Or, I mean, it's probably all in his head. Um, but he's afraid of that. He's afraid of his mom. He's afraid of women. He's afraid of, uh, uh, he's afraid of dying, getting hurt, you know, the usual stuff. The Vox Explainer says that his biggest fear is that his mother will be ashamed and disgraced and it will be his fault and he won't even be able to help it. I mean, that's also one of his fears. The second question, what is Bao, B-A-U, is afraid about? <laughs> <laughs> what is Bao afraid of? Just uh, yes question, says S. <laughs> third question, is Bo's afraid of comedy? Uh, it tries. <laughs> Fourth question, um, is Bo's afraid getting a wide release? Answer is yes. Uh, fifth question, what was Beverly afraid of? And th- by this, they mean Beverly from It. <laughs> <laughs> she was afraid of the clown? <laughs> I don't know. 
uh, again, a Vox.com explainer, apparently, who's feeding Google these results. Uh, Beverly's anxieties about her own sexual matura- maturation to her sexual assault at the hands of her father, which is true. That is true. That, that is, is what, what happens in it. I don't remember Beverly. She's the girl in it. Oh, There's oh, only God. One girl. <laughs> oh, no. Um. Anyway, that's that's what I've got about Bo's Afraid. <laughs> I probably will never watch it because uh, I, I fucking hated Hereditary and I liked Midsommar, but not for the reasons that Ari Aster wants you to like Midsommar. I think he accidentally backed into something kind of funny. Um, and that's all. I like Midsommar because I like movies where <laughs> people find family. And that's how I see that movie. Yeah, um, but in reality, you could just watch uh, The Wicker Man and it'd be a, you'd have a much better time. I, I don't know. I like both of those films. Mm. Uh, mm. Happy Wicker Day, man, to all those who... Or, or Happy Wicker Man Day to all those who celebrated. Is that really... What? When? What? May 1st. Oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not pagan enough for this. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, no. Did not like it. Two thumbs down. Right. Uh, it gets a star for having Parker Posey, and then it gets another star for, like, a few little tiny funny moments. Mm-hmm um me and jackson have been busy watching the lord of the rings movies but you can check that out on mortar movie night at exportaud.io i watched the first half of two towers last night i'm gonna watch the second half today probably yeah i've only seen fellowships of file we'll be watching two towers before we record uh that so far so good banging movies gotta, gotta say two towers feel kind of uh conflicted about just because it's not as good as fellowship of the ring which is a perfect <laughs> it's, movie it's definitely not as good as it's extremely not as good as fellowship of the ring that's my memory is the yeah. you watch two towers and you're in the middle and you just feel like you're adrift at sea there's like scenes happening <laughs> no sign that they'll ever cohere into anything eventually they do but when, when they're happening and you're going between shit in the forest and then like six, 20 minutes of flash entire seinfeld episodes worth of flashbacks uh with arwen or whatever that's not even the first half I watched. This is all Rohan shit. Well, I do like Rohan. You know what? I do. I do enjoy Rohan. <laughs> so, where was Rohan? When but but Frodo does one? fall into that marsh and get assaulted by uh, Halloween mask guys. You know what? It's weird. When I think of the second two uh, Lord of the Rings movies, I don't actually think about Frodo and Sam that much, even though it's actually what the movie's about. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking about the sad king shit. Yes, I know. <laughs> Anyway, speaking of sad king shit, our movie this week is The Killing. There's no, there's not even, that doesn't even, you're not even, what, who's the sad king? Go on. Uh, directed by Stanley Kubrick, who is, I guess, the sad king in this uh, torture. How is Stanley <laughs> Kubrick <laughs> the sad king? <laughs> uh, based on a book, Clean Break by Lana White. Uh, screenplay by Stanley Kubrick. Dialogue by Jim, Jim Thompson, um, which will bear special mention. This movie came out in 1956. Stars just a bevy of cool guys like Sterling Hayden. Um, and uh, and Colin Gray and uh, Elijah Cook Jr., who's great, and Marie Windsor, who steals every scene she's in, and a bunch of other guys besides. Um, Jackson, what happens to the movie? Uh, well, a bunch of guys try to do a heist uh, by uh, robbing all of the money that is to be like used in the beddings on a big horse day on a big race day uh they successfully do the heist uh but the girlfriends of like of the weak link uh of the crew it has like wants her way in and knows what's going on and sets up her like boyfriend to try to scan them all and take run off with the money herself uh unfortunately uh her shitty husband picks this exact moment to try to be a hero and uh kills the people who've come to him goes back home uh kills his wife about it and the leader of the crew kind of sees this all happening and tries uh to get on the plane as is customary in these movies uh but this is not one of those films this is one of the films about the like pointlessness of it all uh so the 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 baggage handling goes wrong and the money goes everywhere uh and he has a chance to run and decides not to because he's like oh it's already already over uh and the cops get him and it's all over that, that's the movie that's the movie. that's the whole plot of the film yeah that's true it's the second movie in six weeks we've watched it ends at an airport that's true is it really the um women uh on the virgin Winter's oh, breakdown oh yeah Look at that. Little themes. Little themes. <laughs> uh, that's true. Little themes. Um, so I'd seen this movie before because I watched all the Kubrick movies 15 years ago, God. I guess, at this Ooh. point. Oh, how's it feel? It was, a long, it, was, you know, it was a long time ago. Um, 
And uh, this is seen mostly as like Kubrick. It's not his first movie, but it's like his first like big film that like people remember or care about. He did a movie called Killer's Kiss before this. Um, it's like 67 minutes, which barely counts as a movie. Um, <laughs> but um, then he went off and uh, to Europe and was never seen again, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, and uh, I remember thinking this movie was just OK, which is ridiculous because I think it's like very goofy um and incredibly fun uh because it's so they take a movie they, they take this book this like you know heist book and they get a different hard-boiled detective guy to rewrite all the dialogue and that's the funniest thing you could possibly do. <laughs> the in this movie is amazing <laughs> it's so heightened and silly compared to like the plot that's happening which is very like po-faced and like you know, one of these late fifties noirs where it's like about how everyone's strung out and nothing can ever come together, but everyone talks like the hard boiled version of Shakespeare. It's ludicrous. Uh, yeah. Uh, what a great film. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that dialogue just, I, I can't get enough of it. Um, because it's like, it's narrated like it's fucking dragnet from the start um <laughs> just like very self-serious here's the facts uh laid out but then everyone who comes in is like some other version of a, like the flop sweat guy who's gonna ruin everything uh <laughs> <laughs> and you just watch the slow motion car crash you know is going to go horribly wrong play out before you and it goes horribly wrong and that's all you really need yeah no classic heist movie uh stuff going on here there's not like breaking new ground even for the 50s i see i mean I, I don't know how much the non-linear stuff was uh uh innovative at the time yeah um but it's not be typical but like it's not like this movie's not yeah it's just kubrick getting his feet and making a movie that people like for the first time right yeah um but uh it's it's great at doing that the the ridiculous dialogue is so funny any scene with um sherry in it uh as she's like playing this uh the femme fatale type of well not even that's not like she's not like coming in and ruining everyone's life you know the the wife who's two-timing and trying knows more than she's letting on um yeah classic noir archetype uh, she's killing it she's fucking fantastic in this movie uh her yeah. useless flop husband's amazing as well <laughs> yes i mean elijah cook jr is one of the famous guys of noir cinema he's like the the killer in the maltese falcon um he's in like the big sleep and house on a hill and rosemary's baby um yeah and in this he is just uh the most like henpecked sweaty guy who sucks just like the little <laughs> nerd who who thinks he's like uh who wants to be the big dog but will never be the big dog right and his wife is like i married him because he said he'd be rich by the time we were 30 and that ship has sailed so what am i gonna do now <laughs> yes um and uh just like is introduced like lounging on like a like a one of those like fainting couches like reading a magazine and then asks her husband to make her a drink as soon as he gets home from work um and just belittles him constantly and is in full makeup the entire time and i love her she's great she's perfect yeah she's my favorite character in this i assume she's everyone's favorite character i, I think I, she... I would best i would guess so i think he was this age when you started telling the story i'm not so sure about now <laughs> 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 just yeah get his off yeah yeah it's 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 really funny seeing a movie like this and like realizing like at the time i remember like uh when i watched it it was like i know the clown mask is like the influence on nolan having the the clown mask the beginning of dark knight um i uh popped for the shotgun in the flower case from terminator 2 being from this movie yep (laughs) um tarantino has been like this movie is why reservoir dogs is the way it is i mean yeah reservoir dogs happened in this movie (laughs) yes yeah like not just the non-linear stuff but the Set up and payoff, and the payoff is like you hear someone, you overhear someone explaining a thing happened that you were expecting, but it wasn't even part of the plots. Yes, uh, <laughs> loves to do that, especially in the ending. Um, um, even the like nested, like non-linear stuff, yes. like uh, Soderbergh's Ocean's Eleven, definitely lifting from this movie in that way. Oh man, Ocean's Eleven—that's one of the greatest movies of all time. There's even the guy whose whole entire job is bankrolling the heist. He's kind of <laughs> sad that he can't actually participate in the heist. Yes. <laughs> um we got we got to talk about the wrestler guy so the <laughs> the wrestler guy um maurice who he gets to just start a fight uh he's like the guy they're just gonna pay a flat rate uh is, is played by uh cola quariani who is a uh georgian and by that i mean georgia and europe uh professional wrestler 
uh, who was like a Greco-Roman wrestler and then became a professional wrestler in the 50s um, and also was like a famous chess player and was apparently just a friend of Stanley Kubrick and he had so little money. Like he didn't get, he didn't get paid for this movie. That's how underfunded they were. Um, that uh, he just cast his friend as this guy who can... Uh, who has such a thick accent you can barely understand him but is stealing all the scenes he's in <laughs> he's great yes yes i could not understand a word out of his mouth but i wanted him uh to keep talking <laughs> yeah uh he's a great funny guy and he literally get a moment where he uh under crank like silent film wrestles seven security guards <laughs> <laughs> he gets to play chess and wrestle in the yes. movie i'm proud of him <laughs> yeah um, my my favorite shout out to this guy uh, is Nikki, the sharpshooter, who is just the da- John Turturro role, but for the 50s. Like, <laughs> literally, if, if John Turturro was alive, you would cast him in this role in that time. Yeah, yeah if he had been there, there's like a whole, he would have been in this. A whole cartoonish subplot with him. Where he's the, He just has to take the shot. All he has to do is take the shot. And they keep cutting back to him, and like the attendant guy keeps... Uh, well, like, he, he, he had to get to the lot early, and the lot was closed, and he buddy-buddied the attendant guy by being nice to him uh by saying he was a veteran and this guy was a veteran and this is like a black attendant and so he's like oh like you know this guy's really nice to him. i'm gonna you know help him out give him a program ask if he needs anything he's like i need this guy to go away i need to take the shot yes um and so so he defaults to uh being incredibly racist at this guard and then immediately gets shot when he does take the shot because the guard is like looking for him now ready to uh, you know see if he's gonna start some shit uh yeah now he uh he gets got. He's one of the ones that gets got off screen. You're like, oh, he had a total shootout that we didn't put in the movie because we're not shooting that. We're not having like a race day chaotic shootout in this film that we I shot. Mean, he, 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 he tries, well, to, get the, he tries to... to get out of the vehicle and gets shot in the back. Yes. The news says he was in a shootout. He's he's shot in the back by the security guard. Mm-hmm. We were taken. Well, we weren't taking bets, but we were like, is there going to be a scene where we see a horse get yeah, shot? Yeah, I was like, does this movie have the money to make a horse fall down? And it turns out they do. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> I didn't think they were gonna actually be able to shoot that because most of the like horse racing and every like airplane shot at the uh at the airport are just stock footage. <laughs> yes. Uh because it's great. This movie has like four sets. No money. <laughs> uh it's great. The way it all like, you know, the clockwork way it all comes together is fantastic. It's got all the like Kubrick stuff that you know. It, it, it makes me sad about the way Kubrick's career is made because I, I like a lot of Kubrick movies, but um, I would have preferred if, if he had more movies that he spent one year making and not five movies he spent a decade making. <laughs> He's just not that guy. Because uh, it, like, it, it doesn't have the precision of later stuff, but it has enough of it that you're like, this is all you need. You yeah. don't need to spend more time yeah. making the movie. And part, yeah. part of that's Kubrick, part of that's like the cinema changing, right? Like, Yes. Uh, he, you know, was, this was early enough that he could have... Uh, just stayed making these and been like a you know post Hitchcock uh, studio guy, um, but I don't know. He probably wouldn't be like one of the most famous people in cinema history if he did that. Yes. Yeah, I mean, part of that is getting way more focused on the actual shooting of the movie. Yes. Um, which is not exactly like the focus of this film, right? No. Like there's stuff like infamously he gets in fights with the cinematographer in this movie about like wanting to put the camera a certain way, but he's not inventing cameras, which is the thing he goes on to do. <laughs> I mean, this, yeah, this, this movie has like enough bold camera work. You're like, this this guy's yes. got the source. Yes. Um, but it's not going to be like remembered in the way 2001 is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is like the first Harris Kubrick movie and they go make Pass of Glory and Lolita after this together. Mm-hmm. He was like his bankroll guy. <laughs> Until Stanley Kubrick does not need a bankroll guy. <laughs> no, he does not. <laughs> Paths of Glory, I remember really liking. That's a good movie. Yeah. It's a year after this. Like, just churning them out for a little bit there. Because this movie wasn't, like, a huge success at, at its release. Uh, it was only kind of later that it... Like, it did all right, but it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a financial success. Critics mm-hmm. liked it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a run runaway massive hit. Yeah. Just looking up what else came out in '56, and no wonder it wasn't a hit. <laughs> Why? This is when Ten Commandments, Around the World in Eighty Days, and Giant and the King and I came out. Um, of those, I've only seen Ten Commandments. We watched that on blockbusters. Ten Commandments is so like a, a million miles away in terms of cinematic sensibility than a movie like this. Uh, Someday yes. when we're doing long movies again, I'll make us watch Giant. It's pretty good. 
I uh, I like the Ten Commandments, but uh, this movie kicks the shit out of it. <laughs> yeah, easily. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is another movie in the classic of um, there's actually technically been nothing uh, hotter in history than uh, like kind of ugly guys smoking in a black and white film. That's actually the peak of all aesthetics. It's incredible like, that is scene true. with it all on the table. And you're like, damn. Moving to digital photography basically killed all of cigarettes PR. <laughs> uh, that's true. Um, it's really funny because like this is only two years after uh, Johnny Guitar, which is the other Sterling Hayden movie I think about. Mm-hmm. I know he's in Doctor Strangelove, but I don't give a shit about Doctor Strangelove. Um, and uh, he just looks so old and tired in this movie, and that is not the vibe he gives in Johnny Guitar, where he's just like the cool guy who's going to shoot some motherfuckers. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's done. He's like, oh. <laughs> this era, we could just go and see a bunch of black and white movies right up against some Technicolor movies. Most spoiled audiences in the world. They didn't know it. They had no idea. In fact, it was a golden age. <laughs> <laughs> it was it? When, 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 when does the golden age end? Like, what's the... I assume I don't, I don't it ends when that. the studio system falls, but I don't actually know. I don't actually know when, like, the... Because I know when, like, you know, post-Star Wars and blockbuster era, but I don't actually know when, like... When people say golden age, I assume they mean like twenties and thirties, but I don't know. Yeah, I truly don't. Oh, know. Uh, let me look it up. Uh, golden age of Hollywood. Uh, when was the golden age? This is considered the like five major studios era of twenty-seven to fifty-nine. Okay, so it is. Well, I'm seeing a thing that's like most film historians cite Birth of a Nation as the first film of the golden age. Damn. Okay. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's weird because like you can see people defining it as all the way up to the '60s when the studio system starts cl- like collapses. Yeah, like I know you um, have to you make you make a break point when New Hollywood happens, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. this seems to be not like doesn't seem to be a massive consensus in terms of use more loosely. I guess. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought there was a consensus, and I thought it was the '50s, but oh well. No, I don't know. I mean. It, Damn, if I could go to the cinema and watch shit like this, just like, oh, here's a movie it's out. It did okay. <laughs> I'd see all those cheap film noirs. Are you kidding? That'd be so much fun to just... That'd be so much fun to just go to the theater all day and watch them. I know this is the kind of movie that, like, TV killed. Because, um, I mean, you're already seeing it, right? Because Ten Commandments is just, like, the most big movie in the world. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's the thing. That's a lot of big, around-the-world nitty days, like travelogy type it's movies. It's the pictures that got small. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it is true. It is true. They just don't make, uh, you know, a movie like this is like, you know, it's it's five guys on the soundstage. Like, this could, this will become 60s TV in like an hour-long format. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty good, right? I just won't have yeah. Stanley Kubrick. Direct. I mean, you know what? That's yeah. not true. There's that one, you know, there's that one episode of Columbo where Steven Spielberg's there and you're like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes there's a guy. <laughs> yeah. You look at you look at like your Twilight Zones and your Outer Limits, it's like these are not like outside the realm of this level of like cinema. Mm-hmm. They're just doing like uh shorter scripts and sometime there's a guy in a weird mask but you know honestly the clown mask of this is pretty horrifying so this could be a, this could be an episode of twilight zone oh this is extremely a twilight zone ending you watch the money go up oh look at you it's so <laughs> yeah like, when it, when it falls step over, out of the fucking it, yeah when it falls yeah. over and the money's like in the shape of the briefcase briefly and then just like disperses it's so good <laughs> i loved the lady with the dog because i knew i was like that dog's gonna see some shit today <laughs> i just knew it in my heart good it's very silly johnny thought he'd be leaving the life behind uh but he's only got dreams to think about in the twilights i don't fucking know whatever that's like (laughs) money in the air like so many dreams (laughs) yes just money in the air well what is money with anything to spend it on (laughs) guys that thought they could get away with the biggest crime in twilight Twilight i don't know i'm i'm really bad at this and, I, and I'm a Twilight Zone fanatic. Um, but yeah, this movie's great. Uh, it's just a nice, tight heist film. That's all you need. Yeah. Uh, I did find the ending a little too, like, pat. I was like, this could have, you could have taken this to the next level, but it just kind of, like, all happened very quickly at the end. Yes. Uh, I like the, the end card with the police officers coming for the camera. That was chef's kiss to me. 
Uh, I, I specifically, I think that him going home and just like, I'm going to go kill my wife now and then die. Bye. Thank you. It was a little I'm like, why? Why would you have to kill the one character I like in this movie? Because she was two timing him and the, the code says you got to die. Like, her boyfriend's dead and the money's gone is like so much bleaker than her actually getting shot. No, I was expecting like just cut to her waiting. <laughs> but that's, oh, yeah. that's an extremely um, like modern movie choice. Yes. Hayes Cove yeah, did not yeah. allow. That's, that's the, that's the yeah. Coen Brothers version of this movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes. That is 100% Waiting true. for one of my boyfriends to come home, but they've killed each other. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't, you're like, it's like, it's not clear which one she's even looking for, yes. like, for right? Yeah. It's like, oh, is it going to be my hot boyfriend with the money, but he kind of sucks? Or is it my husband who I can never trust to do anything, but maybe he made good this time and maybe I do love him. Uh, instead, it's just getting shot. And she is really yeah. mad about it. She's like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her last words are just like, this is not fair. <laughs> uh, goofy movie. I had a great time. I don't think I have that much more to say. But I, do I don't like think I do either, yeah. but I enjoyed myself immensely. I enjoyed it. Love a heist. Can't get enough of these heists, y'all. Why aren't there more heist movies? Like at the moment, I kn- everyone likes them when well, they come right out. now. There's a writer strike, and you need. Well, that's to write got nothing to do with right heist. now. <laughs> oh, they not made any heist movies in the last three days. <laughs> God, I feel like is it is there not like 800 USA TV shows that are doing a heist every week? They're just that that's heist. True. That- or is that era gone? No, like, that era's all gone. about like heists all the time. Um, what happened to that show, Leverage? That's it's been gone for a while, hasn't it? Wasn't that a heist show? I feel like I'm. I, I don't know what's on TV right now. Did, did Hustle make it to America? Did America's know about Hustle. I don't know Hustle. I don't oh, know. Americans loved Hustle. That was on AMC okay, for a minute. Go, yeah. I don't know anything about TV, so I'm not the person to ask. <laughs> that was. The... I mean, the the answer is like the police procedural ate all of noir, basically, right? Yeah, but like, That's I mean, you fair. had um, Ocean's Eleven. You there was still you still get some heist yeah, movies in two thousand. That is deliberately Steven Soderbergh on his tour of doing genre exercises, doing a genre exercise that really hit. Hmm. I just think that the heist movie is everyone likes them when they happen. I feel they should be taking more heist movie swings. I'm with you. Well, you need actors uh, that people like, and uh, you need them all to be in a movie that's well written. Uh, I'm just saying. A director who can deliver a tight script uh, like on time, and nobody can do any of those things anymore. I'm just saying. Ryan Johnson did this for detective movies. I think you can yes. get someone to trick them into doing the same thing for Hollywood uh, for <clears throat> movies. You just need one yeah. of them to take off with enough of an audience I mean, to trick. The Bella Block movies and the Ocean's trilogy are not that different, like conceptually, no, no. Of how they blew up. <laughs> but in terms of like, you get a director to make something that just resonates with an audience and gets like yeah. the suits to realize, oh, we can just let him make money by putting actors in a movie. <laughs> Uh, excuse me, I think you'll find that Fast Five is the modern heist film. It's not modern anymore! I know, but they keep making them. When was the, lo- when was you, the last one of those that had a heist Fast in 10 it? this summer, right? None of, us, none of us even watched Fast 9, and we have no, no desire to. That's yeah. the worst part. I don't even feel bad letting it go. I didn't either, and it was one of my favorite franchises. Who cares? Get out of my sight. <laughs> um... All right, I guess we'll go to questions. If you got questions, you can send them to enrollmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Our question of the week this week, uh, provided by Jackson, was what was an animated film you want to see a live-action version of? And what was a live-action movie you'd want to see an animated film of? You can kind of take that any way you wanted. We have a bunch of answers to that, a couple questions, so I'm just going to go through them. Our first one is from Hilver. Uh, animated to live-action is Over the Moon, a Netflix animated film in the vein of recent Disney films about a specific culture but for the Chinese Moon Festival. Uh, first half's excellent. Uh, second half goes more fantastical, and it's a little like not a script. Shaped characters and uh, sets like Sonic Colors. It's a bit of a letdown. In live action, some of the sets would give everything more weight. I don't know anything about this movie. I don't think I've ever heard about it. I do not follow what comes out on Netflix. I guess. Yeah, me neither. Um, the live action animated. I'm going to ask Christopher Nolan to remake anything from his catalog. He's so reliant on grounding everything in practical effects. I want to see if he can actually make anything with the abstraction of animated film. God, putting a gun to Christopher Nolan's head and making him do the Wes Anderson, like, you're making an animated film now thing. It'd be so funny. It'd be terrible. I don't think really, he has to. Be, he doesn't it have bad. it. It would be bad. <laughs> what movie do you want? What, what If you can get one Christopher Nolan animated film, what movie are you picking? Oh, which one? So, but I have to. I have to. Uh, Destiny is going for Inception. Uh, I, 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 I ultimately, I have to be true to myself and go with uh, Memento. I think you could do, you could really heighten the like weird, all daytime vibes of that creepy town. 
Oppenheimer's an anime now. Let's fucking go. <laughs> Fuck off. That movie's gonna be so bad. That movie's gonna be the worst film ever. Um, nine writes it. I used to rewatch things a lot as a kid. I remember a VH copy of Transformers, the movie specifically, was destroyed from watching it so much. And as I get as I get older, I'm less interested in visiting things, with a few exceptions. I tend to just focus on my to do list, which gets longer and larger over time. What's your relationship with rewatching movies? Do you have any old favorites you still return to, or anything newer that you're itching to rewatch? In my V, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, go right ahead. I was gonna say in my VHS era of being from age about fourteen to sixteen or whatever, um, maybe even older. I would watch every Sunday. I watched West Side Story for like almost a year. Uh, I watched The Breakfast Club pretty religious, like over and over. Pulp Fiction over and over and over. Uh, in my 20s, or whenever Scott Pilgrim came out, I watched that movie over and over a lot. I put it on when I was cleaning and stuff. Uh, and that's kind of like, in theory, what I like to do is just have like something that I'm doing with my hands and just have a movie on. But it's been a long time since I've like rewatched a movie that wasn't for a podcast. Yeah. I mean, our answer is we got this fucking podcast network, so we do new things all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used to rewatch movies way more, um, but I've got too much to do these days. Same. Um, it does mean that when I do rewatch stuff, I'm always like, man, this is nice. I should do this more. And then I proceed to not do that. Yeah, so. no. Yep. I have... Also, a lot of my, like teens and 20s 20s especially was spent showing new friends all the shit that i liked that i'd already seen and i just don't live that life anymore yeah no none of us have new friends i like one i don't really have new <laughs> friends and two when i do have new friends i'm not like sitting them i'm not like they're they're spread across the world i'm not sitting them down like you need to watch this movie with me uh we gotta we gotta watch kill bill i saw i watched i've shown no less than 15 people kill bill back in the day laughing right? and I... your newest friend being someone you could even do that to yes exactly right my go-to movie i make new friends all the time and <laughs> my go-to like gotta show my friends this movie is house um so like a lot of introduced a lot of friends to that movie uh and I have movies that, I, like, I have a friend I've been meaning to show my whole and drive for a really long time. I have a friend that I want to show. Like, yeah, no, there's, I can think of a lot of those. My thing is just, like, because I am constantly on this, like, doing this thing beat, um, the last thing I want to do is, in my spare time, also feel obligated to, like, usher people through my own things I like. I'd rather just hear about what they like and then, like, be find things that they like that I am interested in and explore those. Um, mm-hmm. I just get fatigued on like, you know, gatekeeping is not the right word. What's the one like, like championing things? I just I don't want to do it <laughs> in my spare time. Just like, nah, I don't want to be the person to be like, here's the six good movies I like. You should watch them. Um, I'll provide those lists when asked, but like, I don't want to do the work of trying to like match taste to my taste, and it's it's exhausting, and I feel overly responsible when I do it. Uh, I don't really have the sense of responsibility about it. I always feel bad when I, like, suggest something I really like and it doesn't draw the friend. Like, one, that's, like, one bridge that, like, is burned between the two of us. Um, it's not that big a deal, but, you know, sometimes... I try not to... Yeah, yeah, I do take it personally, but I try not to take it personally if somebody doesn't like a movie that I recommend. Two, I'm worried I wasted their time, right? <laughs> right. I, I have the thing, too, where I, I am sad when someone doesn't like a movie I like a lot and, like, invest in. Um, but I don't have the thing where I'm, like, worried beforehand about my, like, stewarding friendship through cinema. That part, I'm like, oh, well, it's a movie. Um, yeah, I'm, I worry about this. Anyway, um, I wish I rewatched more. Nine has a second, as an answer question of the week. I would love to see any John Carpenter movie hand animated. Um, Ooh, pick a movie. Yeah. Pick a, pick a John Carpenter movie you want to see animated. Uh, oh, Mouth of Madness. Um... I haven't seen enough to really know. like my gut says I haven't even seen it but I bet it would be Escape from LA there's, there's no way it couldn't be but I that, that's another reason to, to get mad at me for not watching Escape from LA the only John Carpenter movies I've seen are Assault on Precinct 13 um, and surely that's not it surely that can't be the only one. Oh my god you've got to watch you've not no seen I've, I've, seen, I've seen Escape from New York I've seen Escape from New York I've seen Escape from New York that might be it Four. that'd be a good animated like weird animation movie uh my answer is vampires uh john carpenter's vampires which is a very uh oh i frictive movie 
I would say. I would describe it as a very bad when you think about it, but I remember enjoy- well, I do enjoy it. I've seen it a couple times. Um, but I do think you could improve it by just readapting it and making some changes. Maybe um, not make it about how cool James Woods as- is as the Border Patrol, you know? Yes. Uh, I've also seen Big Trouble in Little China. That's a classic movie. Love that film. Uh, of those three, oh. I'd probably choose Escape from New York. But um... Yeah. Big Trouble in Little China is too obvious as an animated film. I feel like um, I know what that looks like, and it's bad. Yeah. Might be a little racist. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, James writes in asking us about our thoughts on Yojimbo, uh, having watched High Noon, just about a movie about a guy coming in to clean up a town and, like, the conflicts of the townsfolk. Um, if we had any thoughts. We all are big Yojimbo fans here. Yeah. We did Yojimbo, right? Did we cover Yojimbo or did we just talk? I, we must have I done it. We, I think we did Yojimbo. I don't remember. Yeah, there's a whole episode about Yojimbo. Check it out. Um, oh. They do have the similar coffin gimmick uh, bit where the, the casket maker is like, oh, got to get busy making caskets. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure High Noon predates Yojimbo, right? It's almost gotta. Yeah, Yojimbo is 60. Yeah, okay. Yojimbo is so good. That movie is so much fun. It's like... I didn't expect it to be as good as it was, and I did rewatch it uh, when I was recovering from surgery. Like I was like, I'm just gonna put you Jimbo on because it's a good time. Um, James' answer is, I would like a Secret of Nim, but with cat style makeup and big Shakespearean actors doing all the roles incredibly straight, and then the larger <laughs> creatures and the humans should be Muppets. Um, I was watching that Bob Hoskins King Lear Mario video. I was thinking about this amazing one of that which is a pretty good answer um jacob writes in animated happy new year from 2014 um i think it'd be interesting uh, to see a colorful indian musical film in animated form uh it's not the best like bollywood blockbuster uh, i apparently coasts long on all it's like megastar names um but it's set up of a group of thieves cheating their way through a global dance competition as cover for an oceans-esque diamond heist it's pretty good animation fodder we have to watch this movie <laughs> Uh, that sounds that incredible. Sounds... Yeah. Yeah. Um, live action. Dallas. It's Dallas, but I can't think of any current directors I would trust this. Well, let me tell you, there's a whole movie called The Battle for Algiers. Yeah, that, that famously <laughs> exists. Because you put a big face uh, in The Battle of Algiers. <laughs> God, if there was a big head in the desert. <laughs> what's the big head for? What if someday the big head gets up? Is it going to? No. <laughs> Um, Justin, what's a, what's a movie that you watched either on a complete stranger's recommendation or a whim that just completely blew you away? For me, this was a tweet saying that Magic Mike XXL was the greatest movie of all time, assuming it was a joke, then actually watching it months later and coming to believe that with that with my whole heart. Only slightly joking, but I do think about it all the time. Oh... I used to do this a lot. I do this far less now just because I know too much about, like, just, it's very rare I don't know a fucking thing about a movie, right? Yeah, I think it's still catch me off guard, but yes, it is yes. rare that uh, I can truly be... Like, I knew going into Michael Clayton, right, that I'm going to love Michael Clayton. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw Michael Clayton when it was in cinema, so I just enjoyed it normal. There was a, there was a whole period where, like, I didn't know shit about film, because it was just... I. Film online was not the way it is now. Social media just wasn't where it was, where it is. Uh, where I would just go to what was out every week and just get introduced by two directors like Michael Mann or Tarantino or whatever, just making their new film, and I had no context for their prior work. Right? Yeah. Greatest time to be going to the movies. You see a lot of bullshit. I like Troy more than any human should like Troy because I saw it in this period of my life. But uh, it does mean that I saw Collateral not knowing who the fuck Michael Mann was or any of his films. And for a brief oh, period fuck. until I watched other Michael Mann movies, Collateral was one of the greatest films I've ever seen. Collateral is still <laughs> pretty the best Michael Mann movie. No, that's, that's not true. That's definitely not true. <laughs> Manhunter is so much better. I don't, no, no, I think so, like, so I love Manhunter. I think it's fucking fantastic. It probably is better. But uh, Collateral doesn't have better. a whole kind of uncomfortable bit with the Francis Dullahide stuff. Well, unfortunately, they're adapting a very stupid book, so Manhunter is limited by that. But it is a great film. I'm just saying, I feel like a certain Collateral short is like, oh, you saw the other better ones, like Miami Vice, which is not better than Collateral. I know, I'm with you on the pro oh, yeah, Miami Vice side. I would side, probably but... say that, but like, Manhunter is better than uh, Collateral. Easy. Yeah, yes, yeah, I agree here. I'm not like disagreeing with the positions. I just think you're selling Collateral short and how you're talking about it. That's fine. Classic film. That's fine. I'm happy to do that. Uh, 
in the similar period, this was less about the movies I was because I was mine was twenty twelve ish, so I was just seeing a lot of fucking terrible movies at the cinema. That's true. Um, but uh, I was also just putting movies on the TV, and uh, I guess the one I would choose would be uh, Taking a Pelham One Two Three, which is just like that's one of the best best movies. What a what a great film! That's a classic heist film. That's true. It is a classic heist film. Um, I've already told the story recently about Destiny taking me to see the Devils, and I think it was some trashy movie, and it is, but like not in the way that I thought it was going. To be. <laughs> hmm. Do I have an answer for this? I have so many like mini versions of this, where like I meet somebody new, and they're like, oh, "I really like X Y Z movie." Like when I met M, they showed me a bunch of their favorite movies, and yes, you were you were the last person I shepherded through a bunch of cinema. Basically. yeah and you and jackson and like, both like don't have watching young adult was a good experience like i remember being like i don't know what to expect of this movie and you being like it's really good and then we watched it and i was like holy shit and i think you showed me in the mood for love oh i almost certainly did so those are my answers there's some movies cr- i'm waiting to show the both of you for uh this podcast it is crazy <laughs> to me destiny that you in high school didn't watch in the mood for love are you fucking kidding me <laughs> Yeah, I, I watched right. 2046 first <laughs> and was very confused and didn't finish it because I was like, I got to watch In the Mood for Love. And then I just never went back. And then when I met M, we just, oh, and M showing me Face Off was another uh, great memory. I remember thinking Face Off was mid, so I, I bet I would. You're out of your goddamn I, mind. I'm not, yeah, you're out your mind. I'm not holding to that one. It's been over a decade since I've seen it. Uh, that's just what I remember <laughs> thinking. Uh-huh. You're mid. Fuck off. Adam <laughs> writes in, which Hollywood movie made after the year 2000 would be most improved if it had been made before 1980 and vice versa? Well, nothing for vice versa. There's nothing better than a 70s film and being made in the year 2000 doesn't improve shit. We've got to think of a movie from an old a decade. Movie. A single movie that would be better later. And that's really hard. That's so <laughs> oh fucking good. Well, I nothing. would say that this movie that we you know, just talked about before we did questions would be very interesting remade without the code hovering over it yeah but that's that's mm. not saying post that's saying what if this was a 70s movie which yes that's a different question <laughs> i also want movies to be set in the 70s and made in the 70s <laughs> <laughs> the fundamentally yeah. different question right, i am editorially changing the question we think of a single movie made before 1980 that would be better if it was made in the year in or after the year 2000 shit Wait, the movie has to be after 1980 the the movie we're picking has to be from before 1980, and then we're going to remake it after year 2000. I don't care which year it could be. 2001, it could be today. What movie? Any movie that will be improved by this? <sighs> <sighs> the Children's Hour. <laughs> I just don't think anyone will give a shit if the Children's Hour is remade today. Just give them a happy ending, and it'll be the best gay movie. I gen- I genuinely because that's, that's definitely like old movies I've watched that I think are kind of boring, but not ones that yeah. I think are boring in but a like, way that would be do improved. I think the, do I think the like, texture of modern cinema would improve them? And the answer is always a resounding no. Are you out of your goddamn mind? <laughs> it's really hard to... Yeah, I can't answer that. I can't think of anything I value that came into movies after the year 2000 that I would want applied to anything. I want them taken out of the movies they make now. <laughs> <laughs> that was so insufferable. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm like, I, is there something that I'm like doesn't hold together special effects wise? That I think like some CG would really like elevate. No, um, and like I could think of like maybe a little, but like not not that much, right? Like you know. But then really, what we're saying is like I would like a movie to be made in '95 to be made in 2005, and that's like purely a logistical difference. It's not really get, taking into yeah. the the broader questions here, right? Like that yeah. is itself kind of a cop out answer. Yeah. Yeah, like I don't want CG added to Star Wars. They did that. It fucked it up. Yeah, is there any? I'm like, is there anything with like funny politics that would be better in a different time? I, I, I don't. Know. I, I got. Oh, nothing. you mean the Taking of Pelham One Two Three remake? No, <laughs> God no, get my sight. I remember enjoying the Gone in Sixty Seconds remake. Does that count? It's not really the same thing. It's bad. Also, I just enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think that might have been in the I late assume... 90s, Actually, I don't remember when that remake's from. 
I assume Ocean's Eleven, the Soderbergh film, is better than the Rat Pack movie. Yes, I've not assume. seen it, but uh, Neve, friend of the show, watched the original recently and was like, you should watch that specifically to me. You would find things interesting about it, but also it's like not half the movie, the Soderbergh version. Is. This is a great answer. It's <laughs> absolutely one of these. He did make it in the year 2000. It was a better movie. Uh, and yeah. not only that, like it's also extremely a 2001 movie. Um, yes. However, I wouldn't have thought that from the outside. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's why it's hard to say like yeah i guess if someone makes a way better movie using modern techniques i wouldn't be against it i'm not like a total philistine but i wouldn't like can we can we get a remake of some like it hot a movie i didn't really like yes uh, i don't know who's in it i don't know who makes it but i'm like you could improve you ta- this you- probably some like it hot or seven year itch seven year itch sorry i'm thinking seven years some like it hot is a perfect movie you're right yes yeah, right. some some yes. like it hot is great don't yes. touch it <laughs> i was thinking seven year itch. seven year itch bad movie i don't even know the, the the gender politics of that movie don't even make sense today so i don't even know what you do right what's but like, seven year itch it's the marilyn monroe movie where the guy has the hot neighbor and his wife goes on vacation and there's that thing where it's like oh seven years in the marriage you want to stray and he's tempted and it's very 50s. Why seven years? Oh, I was fine for six years. I don't, I, I don't know. Don't ask me about 50s marriage politics. They're nightmares. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, the signature phrase refers to the waning interest in monogamous relationships after seven years of marriage. It was in use by psychologists at the time. Oh, right. Okay. If a psychologist said something stupid, then everyone's going to quote it and use it as a real thing for <laughs> 20 years. Uh, anyway. And that's still true. I, I, think that's, I think that's my answer. You're right. Some like it hot's a great movie, and you shouldn't remake it today. It would be a disaster. Um, but Sam Rich, I remember thinking, was incredibly boring. Um, anyway, uh, Adam's question of the week: uh, Disney's Black Cauldron wasn't great to start with, and thus a live action remake stands a chance to actually improve on the original. Plus, there's no musical numbers in the original movie that Disney would ruin in a remake. They would add musical numbers. Don't you worry. They'll take care. <laughs> Didn't they? Wasn't there some sort of Black Cauldron thing recently? Or we don't think of Pete's Dragon. You think of Pete's Dragon? I don't know. I'm thinking it's Pete's Dragon, you're right. This is an era of Disney I just have never seen. I've never seen Black Cauldron or seen Pete's Dragon. What is the Black Cauldron? Um, Adam also says for live action movies, this is a cheeky answer. Uh, I, you're lucky I'm reading this. I think M. Night Shyamalan's Last Airbender would have done much better as an animated movie or perhaps an animated television series. Uh, I think no. it would still kind of suck. <laughs> Don't worry. They're going to make more and ensure that it sucks. <laughs> they're working on it can finally have them destroy avatar's reputation yeah they're working on it don't worry that'll happen very quickly <laughs> literally literally everyone who's an avatar fan in the comments of those announcements going like don't do this be sad. <laughs> oh we don't want the movie we're fucking ang and zuko Toph's a cop they want the, everyone's like oh we're, we have to watch Toph become a super cop oh no i found it a little cringe that Toph being a cop was the thing that everyone got more annoyed at like yes the, i know i also think that's the superficial every, every other part of, of this is also bad of being a police officer because it's has the word is worse than like inventing western statehood for a fantasy world yes uh gary writes in i would love to see a live action adaptation of adolescence of utena which none of us here have seen uh so sorry i've seen utena i'm the only person here seen all of utena well, I, clearly I, not. I, when I when I watched it, I did not watch the movie. Uh, yeah, I need to do that one day. I've watched two episodes of Utena and uh, I loved them. And then I stopped because they were because they weren't more on YouTube because this was 2014 and I was a moron. <laughs> this would not be uh, a problem for an, now. Animated, for an animated adaptation uh, with Neil and I. Oh, I like that. Uh, answer. Fully imagining a mostly grounded and restrained animation style with very gross and uncomfortable line work as they stand around talking. I love this. Squiggle vision with nail and eye is like so perfect in my brain. Yes. <laughs> um, Rick writes in Killing got me thinking about low stakes crime movies. Not organized, but a person learns of a score for an amount of money that's big enough to go for, and it's also not that big in the grand scheme. What's your favorite one of these? Mine is The Small World of Sammy Lee from 1963. Um, I mean, mine's in Final Affairs, but so <laughs> easy. That mine. One. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, just, I mean, it's one that always comes up, but it is easy. They're having a massive war over fucking nothing. Oh, I'm going to be the in, inside guy on the cop drug nonsense. Stupid. M already got my number when we were I talking about this. Literally, when we were going over this, I was like, I know exactly what your answer is. Yep, and it's Fargo. Yeah, oh, Fargo's great. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like 8,000 uh, Coen Brothers movies that could be this like Blood, Blood Simple is a great one of these the uh, the uh, 
Chinese remake of Blood Simple, uh, Woman, a Gun, and Noodle Shop. That one's fucking great. You should watch that sometime if you have not. It's a beautiful film. Uh, the one I thought of is uh, The Ice Harvest, the 2005 uh, John Cusack movie directed by Harold Ramis. I remember liking that quite a bit. I do think that's technically about a mob guy, but it is just uh, John Cusack and Billy Bob Thornton trying to kill each other in the middle of nowhere. It's very like, we're going to do the Coen brothers, but not nearly as good, but I had a good time with it. The uh, 90s, 2000 wave of people doing the Coen brothers, but not nearly as good is way better than the same wave at <laughs> the same time of people doing Tarantino, but not as good. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Every one of the Coen brothers, but not as good movies is better. <laughs> Does In Bruges count as a Coen? Yes, thing? 100%. Like yeah, it, okay. I mean, it has it has, it has the like add on of it's like lifting from the the long history of ridiculous British crime movies, but yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, that Tarantino wave. Hmm. <laughs> um, Rick, also had some of the answer uh, question of the week answers. Um, so for animated film from a live action, the Third Man animated film by Mushi Pro directed by Rin Taro. That's the most Rick ass answer I've ever. Heard. <laughs> That's true. Um, Sometimes you gotta live your truth. <laughs> and then the uh, opposite version is Mobile Suit Gundam F91 by Ridley Scott circa Prometheus. <laughs> I love how specific these answers are. These are both are. Rick answers. These are such these Rick are answers. Rick. Love it, Rick. Yeah. Love it. Never change. Um, Hilver writes in uh, with animated to live action. Uh, oh, no, I did this one. We're already wrapped around. So we have one more question from Tron. A couple questions. Uh, I think it'd be cool to see an animated version of an Aliens versus Predator movie. It couldn't be worse than the ones we got. That's so true. Ah, the first uh, on, the other side, I, on the other side, I would like a live action version of SD Gundam Force. <laughs> <laughs> are they in suit? Are they? Are we to get Toku suits of yeah, fucking it's, Captain it's just, Gundam? It's just Toku. Just Toku SD oh, Gundam Force. Oh, my God. Yes, let's go. And just getting... Like one of the Toei production crews to yes, shoot absolutely. The, the, the same scripts. We have we have just reinvented Kingdom our. Uh, why isn't there a Toku Kingdom Hearts? Yes, uh, Kingdom Hearts to- Toku would be so good. Yeah. Um. Some questions from Tron. What's your favorite looking shot or scene in this movie? Um. It's the one where they're all on the like at the table smoking. Yeah. Hmm. Is that mine? What is mine? Um, that is like, I like when he drives up to, uh, like after the big show, he drives up to the apartment they're going to meet in and George staggers out and across the street into his own car. I think that one's really good. And he just watches him guys like, I'm not going in there. That is, that is the one where I'm like, oh, where's our dogs is birthed in this, in yes. this shot. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, which film has your favorite narration? Mm. Oh, I don't know. That's a really good question. Uh, I liked Eat Mama Tambien. Um, but I don't remember being like, oh, the narration is so good. I just thought that it was a nice device. I, I like. Um, I don't know how to not be obvious and be like, oh, yeah, the Flash of the Ring. That's a good one. <laughs> kind of just at the front, though. Yeah, but come on. They were all of them deceived. Um, I get to obviously shout out Clueless, one of my favorite movies here. Uh, oh yeah yeah um, clueless uh the one that i think what i thought of when i first heard this question even though it's like not a movie that like i'm particularly like still like in love with i think it has good very good narration that elevates the film though is the shawshank redemption great narration of that that's a great narration too i just couldn't think of anything um I, I was looking up like like answers people like Goodfellas showed up a lot I don't really like Goodfellas so, uh, Wolf of Wall Street does it better I wouldn't put either of them in but Wolf of Wall Street does that yeah. one gimmick better than Goodfellas does that's fair um, Apocalypse Now showed up a lot I do like Apocalypse Now The Sandlot and Stand By Me showed up a lot uh, no. I like The Sandlot more than Stand By Me but they're basically the same movie I've not seen the Sandlot, but Stand By Me is disaster. It's not so. as self-serious as Stand like Stand By Me, so you might like it a little more, but you wouldn't actually like it. Yeah, I'm not going to experiment. I'm fine. Yeah. Uh, last year at Marionbot, we watched a movie with great narration. Oh yeah, yeah. Barry Lyndon, which we're someday going to do for this fucking show, has great narrator. Before Night Falls has one too. One of my favorite movies. Um, yeah. Uh, not not Blade Runner. <laughs> Every answer but Blade Runner. <laughs> um, have you ever used or seen a locker on a bus station? I've never ridden a bus outside of like school context, so no. You've never ridden never you've never ridden a bus? I live in the Midwest and I have a car. Okay. Yeah, like it's just not a thing you do like like 
I've taken buses to, when I was in high school, they used to do this big field trip to Amana, Iowa for the little German town over there. Yeah, I've been and on I school trips and buses, but outside of school yeah. trips, I've never been on a bus. Um, living in London, I, I don't think I went more than three days for basically 20 years without using a bus. Yeah, um, they're just not, they're not a thing here, really. I mean, they are, they're, they exist. But like people, they're for people without cars, right? Because it's not a city that's really meant for people without cars. And I am now living in one of those places, um, yeah. And I haven't used a bus since COVID. Uh, before COVID, I was still taking a bus. It just took takes me an hour to get to a town that is also about an hour walk away, <laughs> rather yeah. than uh, mm. the actual useful network of buses that were in London. Man, not living in London sucks, but also living in London is impossibly expensive. So, um, what's your favorite wrestling scene in film? wrestling scene do i even know of a wrestling scene in uh, film? the end of the wrestler <laughs> uh all right um i was going to say uh spider-man versus macho man randy savage yeah there you go that, that, the one even wrestling though spider, scene even though spider-man is like weirdly homophobic in that scene it's a good scene um Another answer I had off the top of my head was uh, John Goodman versus Ninjas in uh, Speed that, Racer. That is a good one. That is He's a good breaking one. out wrestling moves. That counts as a wrestling scene. Yes. Um, those are what I got. I got. I, I genuinely like what wrestling scenes have I seen? Like I don't know. I have no idea. I know you've seen more than that, but I will let you. Yeah, but I'm never. I'm not like. Oh yeah, that was a wrestling scene. Let me put that in the catalog. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. What's everyone got for question of the week? Who wants to go first? Uh, I can go first. So for animated live action, I would like a, a live action version um, of Fantasia with the caveat that all effects must be practical. Uh, I like that. I don't I don't even particularly care what it's made because of this, this one caveat. No CG. Not allowed. That's animation. Yes. But if you can make it in like the 80s, I think that'd be the, the goofiest version of this. <laughs> that'd be pretty good. <laughs> Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Um, and then a live action movie to animate it is like way harder for me. Um, and I still don't think I have like a great answer. Um, so I'm going to, I have a couple I'm mulling over. So everyone else would like to go. I, I will come back around. Okay. I think, oh, wait, Jackson, you go first. All right. Oh, okay. Uh, animated to, to live action. Uh, I would love a live action shot for shot remake of the Love Live movie. Oh, fuck yes. <laughs> Uh, that was that was easy. That was like one and done. <laughs> wow! No, you nailed it. Uh, please and thank you. Have that on my desk by uh, Thursday. Uh, <laughs> and then live action to animated. I want like um, the uh, the guys that made Macross and Megazone twenty three. I want them in the eighties to make a, uh, somehow through time travel a uh, anime adaptation of Boogie Nights. Oh shit. <laughs> Man, that'd be a, that'd be a bad anime. Yes, but I would yeah. really like to look at it. <laughs> yeah, bad. I want the like dumbest people making the beautiful, most beautiful OVAs to make eighties movie <laughs> nights. Thank you, please, thank you. Good job, good job. Uh, okay, so for my, I'm having a hard time with animated to live action, but for live action to animated, I think Stalker would make a cool animated movie. I think there's a lot you could do there. Um, just playing with the colors and the settings and the way you could do the characters. It could just look really cool. I don't, I don't necessarily think of, like of an anime style, but for some reason that's kind of the default just because that's where my brain is. But it doesn't have to be in an anime style. It could be in that like sort of Eastern European uh, old cartoon style. I don't know if people know what I'm talking about. Yes. Uh, and then for animated to live action, the first movie that popped in my head, I don't think is the best answer, but it's the, um, did Spielberg do the, the Tintin movie? Yes. yes. That movie was so good. <laughs> oh, and you're, you're saying that Steven Spielberg should make a new Indiana Jones movie? I agree. No, he, I don't want another Indiana Jones movie. Well, bad days. <laughs> I know. Well, Spielberg's not making so, it. So Spielberg's not news. doing that now. Yeah. yeah, double bad news. Instead, you get deep fake Harrison Ford. 
Um, I did remember the answer that I thought up in the shower yesterday. Um, and I that is, I would like Kenji Iwaisawa, who's an anime director who made Ongaku R Sound, which is a great film. You should check it out. He's got a new movie coming out. And <laughs> just announced for release in like 2025 because uh, he he's one of those guys. Um, I would like an adaptation of Evil Dead. <laughs> waste of think, absolute waste of his time but sure why not i think it'd be beautiful i think he i think he do i think he'd do it up nice i think it'd be great I'm just it is in- like inherently i feel like animated adaptation of live action fin- films are like an inherent waste of time um movies are already hard enough to make and animated movies even more so you don't need to remake something that already existed i'm but- just imagining the like ongaku silent space approach to the opening bit where they're on the shitty car <laughs> yes I want to see. I want to see Ash animated like within an inch of his life with all of the careful hand animation uh, as he gets sprayed with gore. I think it'd be beautiful. <laughs> I guess it is a good one for cutting between the like limited style of the dialogue scenes yes. and the like extreme hyper animated uh... monster and goop y- shit. Yes. yes, I guess Evil Dead is a very live action one of those. Yeah. Um. Not even little two Evil Dead. If you want to rope in some Evil Dead two stuff, feel free. I don't care specifically one evil dead where it's a little spookier uh, evil dead's a evil dead 2 is a cartoon um way more than evil dead is mm-hmm. um but that's it for me uh destiny what are we do oh first off if you'd like to send emails i want to remind you abnormal mapping podcast at gmail.com you can do our question of the week you can just talk about movies we love it when people just send movie emails or we could talk about the next movie so destiny what is our next movie our next movie is uh 1985 Juzo Itami's film Tampopo. Oh, sick. I've never seen it. I've never seen it either. That's one of Very the classics. Yeah, it's a classic. Uh, I hope we all have some a uh, lot to talk about. I hope it's a good time. I hope that I have a big breakfast before we record. <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried I'm gonna like hate this. I'm worried I'm gonna find it like physically disgusting to watch from the way people talk about it, but I can't tell if it's actually true or if it's if it's not. It's just about cooking and food. Okay, then that's probably fine. I couldn't tell if it's like a weird, like almost body horror movie with the ramen shit, or no, if not. I think it's just. It's just I think it's just. No, about it's like a, a western, isn't cooking. it? Yeah. Okay, well then it's yeah. normal then. But it's something that I can. tell the way you talk about it. I wouldn't pick like a gross movie because I know, like you know, I, I I would vet that. I, I would ask around first before picking that one. Surprising yeah. you with that a gross movie? Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a. Japanese Western about a ramen shop. Oh, well, there we go. Yeah. Okay. And then I, sure. Let's go. Yeah. Um, I've never seen it. Uh, anyway, uh, that'll be the next movie. Destiny, what's our next question of the week? What is the best movie with the worst soundtrack? Ooh. Ooh, that's going to take some thought. Ooh, yeah, that's hard. (laughs) All right. Uh, Yeah. Uh, do you specifically mean score, or does like licensed soundtrack also work? I specifically meant licensed soundtrack. Okay. Oh, specifically licensed soundtrack. Yeah, but you can stretch that. Like, if if you think there's a movie with a really bad score, like it's probably easier to talk about bad scores. That's why I was going. I for think it's easier soundtrack. to talk about licensed bad. Yeah, licensed it's way soundtracks. easier to be like, oh, this oh. movie just drops a terrible pop song. <laughs> All right. Well, we can but, do uh, kind of whatever you want. Yeah, that's the problem. However, you take the question. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, that's it. Uh, Destiny plugs at Fridge Buzz now. Most places. Um, my other podcast, Badland Girls, is at abnormalmapping dot com slash Badland Girls. Jackson, you can find me at Headfalls Off on Twitter dot com and co host. Uh, you can find the podcast that we do at abnormalmapping dot com. Uh, you can find me at em underscore being on Twitter. If you'd like to support our shows, you can do that at patreon.com slash mapping. $1 a month gets you Great Gundam Project, our most popular show. But $5 gets you Blockbusters, which we're going to record next week about Smoking the Bandit. If you'd like to listen to the whole slate of Blockbusters, which is me and Jackson talking about popular movies uh, and their outrageous scripts and the things they say about culture, uh, check that out. Our most recent one. Was it Phone Booth last month or was there something after that? Um, no, we're about to do Smoking the Bandit. Yeah, but we did phone booth last yeah, month, right? Yeah, that wasn't two months ago. Okay. nothing in between. I feel like we've recorded Blockbusters 800 years ago. <laughs> yeah, time time's weird. Yeah, there's a lot of those. They're pretty good. People like them. 
um and for ten dollars a month you get voip life which isn't really movie focused but there's movie episodes in there um if you'd like to really support the network we greatly appreciate it. if you like this podcast tell your friends retweet our plugs um if you're on another social media network that's not twitter and you think ripper screen is really good tell someone about it uh we won't know but we'll thank you uh this is me thanking you because <laughs> we're not on any other ones unfortunately yes um until next time movies now more than ever don't expect to like them